Hi, everyone, and welcome to Strive's How You Lead Matters podcast, where we discuss everything leadership. From tapping into your motivation to feeling yourself with grit, we are here to support you as you discover the character-driven leader in yourself and those around you. My name is Caroline Lettner, and I'm the marketing manager here at Strive. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with co-owners of 3D Sports Performance, Rachel Shannon and Lavelle Kosh. Lavelle is a native Delawarean and former two-sport college athlete at Goucher College. He's a certified strength and conditioning coach with experience training athletes at the NBA, NFL, and MLB level, both domestic and abroad. Rachel brings in experience as a former professional basketball player with a master's degree in nutrition and exercise science. Having faced injuries of her own, Rachel focuses on injury prevention through proper nutrition and empowering her athletes to gain confidence in themselves. Both Rachel and Lavelle bring a multitude of certifications to their work at 3ND in order to provide the best services to the athletes they train. We are here with Rachel and Lavelle, co-owners of 3ND Sports Performance. I'm so excited to talk with you all today. Yeah, we're both super happy to be here and to have this conversation. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So I wanted to get right into it. I was looking at your website and you all have, between the two of you, an incredible list of experiences in the sports world, both domestic and internationally. So tell me a little bit about how you got interested in sport and what led you to where you are today. All right, so I'll go first. I, well, we were both basketball players. I'll let him speak a little bit more about his experience, but I played all the way up. I played in college. I actually played division two, uh, but basketball was like my whole life. So it's all I wanted to do. I had goals set for myself when I was younger. I wanted to play professionally in a different country overseas. So I was lucky enough to be able to do that. So I got a chance to go play in Spain. I played in France. I played in El Salvador, um, which were all really cool and different experiences. Um, But then my love for the sport kind of changed after I stopped and I was trying to figure out like, hey, you know, what do I want to do now that I'm not a player? So I looked back, I studied nutrition, I got my master's when I was playing college basketball. And I thought like, hey, you know, that was like a big missing gap for me. I never really learned. I knew the importance of nutrition, but I never had someone like sit me down and kind of coach me through how to apply those principles to my career as an athlete. Um, also on the recovery side, I was always getting injured, getting hurt. And I thought about that a lot too. Like maybe I could have played longer if my body was a little bit healthier. So, um, learning from my past experiences, I kind of molded my identity from being an athlete to now, how can I give back to athletes from what I learned throughout my career? So that led me to being really passionate about sports nutrition, focusing on the recovery aspects of training, um, and what we do now at 3ND. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually um, from Delaware originally. I went to high school at Christiana and um, I was a part of the uh, state championship team back in 07. It feels a little weird. Some of the guys I train now were born in 06. <laughs> so that always makes me, feel, makes me feel good, you know, and bad. Um, and then from there, I uh, played basketball in college at Goucher College. I was able to then go overseas as well. So I didn't go overseas as a player. I actually went overseas as a coach. I trained athletes, strength and conditioning in Spain, Germany, and uh, Belgium. And it was a really cool experience. Overseas, I tell all my athletes, you have to travel. All my friends in general, this is an opportunity that, you know, anyone who's ever traveled knows traveling is the best. Hopefully we'll be able to travel sooner than later. So from over there, I came back to the States and then I did the intern route, you know, uh, did my due diligence, you know, paying all the dues, all the uh, washing the water bottles and all that. And then from there, I actually got a uh, job at Temple University. I was one of their assistant coaches and with the basketball team, uh, working with those guys. And then from there, I went to a Perky Omen School, it was a highly nationally ranked prep school. And then the opportunity came actually to come back to Delaware from working with Team Final. That's one of the uh, national AAU teams on the Nike EYBL circuit. So I trained one of their guys. I then trained their program. And then the opportunity came to um, get the gym in, in Wilmington, where we, well, Ellesmere, where we are now. 
they called me one February during COVID, during, during quarantine. And they said, hey, we got a gym where there's a, a space that you can have to run as your own, you know, strength and conditioning facility. Would you want to, you know, do it? And I said, of course. And, you know, three months later, we're, we're open 3 and D. That's incredible. You both commented on the transition between being an athlete playing and then your time now coaching and working with athletes. Can you tell me more about that transition and things that stood out for you or maybe surprised you when you were no longer an athlete, but rather supporting the athletes? Um, For for me, it's funny. It's amazing. And I'm I'm sure you know this, Caroline, during all the interviews. You don't realize how much you know until you start actually teaching someone something. And you're like, oh, wow, I actually do know a lot about this. And then, you know, having my uh, master's exercise science certification, it's all nice and it sounds good on an interview. But until you're actually doing the thing, you don't really know the difference. So for me, it's just um, understanding how people and athletes understand things in that feedback loop. And it's giving a lot of examples. You know, I always tell my athletes, this is how you land, like you're boxing somebody out. Or if I have a soccer athlete, you know, if you want to clear and sell the ball, you bring your hips up to this motion. And just providing those sport, real-life examples is all the difference in the world. Because now the athletes understand, okay, this is what Coach Bell needs from me. Now I can do that. And then also, it makes it easy to get the buy-in. Because, you know, working out, everyone knows it's important. But when you say, oh, this is going to help me in this particular moment, this particular situation, then I actually want to do it because I understand why I'm doing it. Yeah. Connecting that exact movement to a moment on the field, I'm sure helps students a lot, athletes a lot. What about you, Rachel? Yeah. So I'm not going to lie at all. My transition was rough. I stumbled a lot. I struggled a lot with being such a heavy athlete identity of like, basketball is on my mind constantly that's all I think about I have all these goals set for myself um it was tough when that that I guess field goal end line was no longer there I didn't know how to like reshift my focus so I went through a year of like really struggling like not knowing what I wanted to do um like mental health going to see a therapist talking stuff out so like now I feel like going through that experience and having those difficulties when I'm talking to athletes now, more of like a real life thing, like, okay, you know, you, you love your sport, you love what you do, but that's not, whether you play good or bad in a game doesn't define who you are. Like, it's not, the world's not going to hate you because you had a bad game, like understanding that that's not the case. And there's greater benefits and value to playing the sport beyond um, winning and losing. So I tried to to pass that back. And I know a lot of athletes don't like to hear like, you know, one day the ball is going to stop rolling. You got to hang your shoes up. I know I never wanted to hear that. I hated when adults told me that, but I try to like weave it in in a different way without saying that like, Hey, you know, you're really good. Like I had one player that was like, she could have been an assistant coach on the team. Her leadership skills were amazing. I'm like, you know, you'd be great in like business or like marketing or talking to people. And she's like, you know, like I do really want to be an entrepreneur one day. So like understanding like those strengths that you're working on and even the weaknesses, like that's going to translate to other things in life too. So you don't feel like the floor is kind of pulled out from under you when you do stop playing. So just try to pass that back as much as I can. Yeah, it's not, it's not a fresh start. You're taking skills that you've been developing for years. I know my time as a college athlete, like I realized that like the difficult coaches that I ran into or the challenging times with players, like that helped me when I had a challenging boss or when I had a coworker that we had disagreements with, we knew how to handle it. I knew how to take feedback differently than a lot of my coworkers because as athletes, we're used to getting like, some pretty direct feedback. So it's, it's helpful in developing those skills. That's, that's what Strive believes is super important. Um, you started to hit on those leadership aspects. And my favorite question that I ask all of our guests um, is around leadership. So how would you both define leadership? Yeah, so I would say for me, it's, it is kind of more of like a mentorship thing for me. So almost like practicing what you preach but also like if you're a couple steps ahead of where somebody was like you don't have to be an expert in the field but you know you have like maybe one year up on someone that you've gone through and made some mistakes and you can more or less pass that knowledge back to that person so I think of it like that 
because I also had a lot of things with like imposter syndrome like you know maybe I don't know as much as I think I know and I need to learn more and I need to take this course and get this certification and do more and more and more and more that's like the athlete mentality like you're never good enough basically coming through uh, but also realizing like hey you do have a lot of value to give back like thinking about like where was I back in high school what kind of mental space was I in what do I wish I had an, an adult mentor female figure, which I really never had. I had all like male coaches going through. So I really think about like, what do, when I was like an 18 year old and I'm like, you know, trying to figure everything out, what type of mentor do I wish I had in my life? So I try to show up and be that person for those girls. Yeah, yeah. that's huge. Yeah, I think <clears throat> for me, it's, it's more so just doing and. <clears throat> doing and, and saying what needs to be done, even when it's not popular. You know, um, we're fortunate to work with a lot of high level athletes, you know, and, and NBA overseas guys. So they're used to having, you know, people more so just tell them what they want to hear sometimes or people who, who need something from them. I'm like, we don't need anything from you. Like, yes, we're happy to work with you and we love everyone we train with, but it's not not like, oh, well, if you don't do this, then I'm a coach and I might get fired or something like that. So we can be very you know, honest and authentic with them. So, you know, I'll tell my guys, if you're coming in late, you know, yeah, that's not acceptable. Or if they're not following, you know, the, the workout because they just feel like, oh, well, it's not important, then, you know, just keeping them accountable. You know, I think my definition of leadership is just keeping you accountable, even when you don't want to be accountable, you know, and just making sure they know that the the most important thing is what we're doing now, not, you know, something that you think may or may not be less or more important. Yeah, I think I would love for you both to take this leadership style quiz that we do because it differentiates like three different types of leadership. And we talk about leading by example, leading by enforcing or leading by encouraging. And I like have an idea of what both of you are, but I think mm -hmm. you have two very different perspectives on leadership that it makes sense why you work together so well as a team. That's What's the name of the, uh, the, the test, the leadership test? I don't know the name of it, but I can send it all to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, we do it with all of our students and um, leader by enforcer is usually the less frequent one. And Lavelle, I'm getting a little bit of like leader by enforcer, but not in a bad way. That's something that we a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> well, like enforcer sometimes has a really negative connotation. People feel like that's like dictatory. Um, but we talk about the different times that different leaders are needed, right? So like a leader by encourager might not be super helpful if there's a fire in the building because I don't need a mm -hmm. hug right now. I need someone to tell me that we need to get out of the building, you know? And so yeah. you're comfortable being that guy that's going to tell everyone like, all right, we got to get us out of here. Rachel, I'm getting a little bit more like example or encourager from you. It sounds like you're, you're comforting, you're there for your athletes to make sure that they feel comfortable. Um, you also hit on this. When I think about coaching, a lot of us coach either because of an incredible coach we had in our experience or because we saw that gap. Can you tell me more about the gap that you felt you experienced um, as to why now you're in coaching? Yeah, definitely. So I, so I can speak to this, I guess, twofold. So on one side, um, I always had like good, you know, high school coaches, skills, trainers, strength coaches that I worked with. Funny enough, I, my favorite coaches I ever had were always strength coaches. So I don't know if that's what drew me more to that field. Um, but I never had someone that talked to me about nutrition or recovery or how to take care of my body once all that training was over with. So it was like, you know, you had a four hour practice today, like maybe you should focus on like sleep or like recovery or active recovery, things like that. So um, that's what led me to kind of the role in the position that I'm in now um, and being so passionate about it. But then definitely I felt like on the just like female role model side of things, I always had male coaches. I didn't have a female coach till like my last two years playing in college. So for me, looking back, that was a big thing that it was a big gap for me that I wish I had just, I definitely had a lot of enforcer style coaches, uh, definitely like <laughs> Lavelle's style of like, Hey, do this instant feedback, which I think is good. And like you said, is really important, but also that piece of like a little bit more of like, 
understanding the I forget what's that quote of like you, it doesn't matter how much someone knows until you know how much they care that type yeah. of piece I feel like was important for me um, that I was missing a little bit along the way so when I look back I definitely think about that and I think about the fact that I was never really taught how to properly take care of my body so it started to break down over time <laughs> and I definitely wish that I had learned that sooner yeah I mean I think like understanding of nutrition is developing even and so like uh, you'll have to tell me if this is right or wrong but I know for me in college even the the go-to food right after was chocolate milk and a banana um and like that was helpful, but I didn't know why, like, I didn't know why we were doing that. I didn't know what nutrients to focus on. I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll have this, I guess. Um, Lavelle, what about you? Did you have someone that inspired you to work with athletes or were there experiences that led you here? Um, I think more so for me, inspiration, you know, I, I've come from a, a long line of really, really good coaches. My father was a coach too. So, you know, having those coaching car ride homes any any, any <laughs> parents you know listening or any kids listening you guys know how how those car rides are fun after a good game but the worst after a bad game you know um <laughs> you all try to sit the furthest seat in the back of the, of the car um, <laughs> yeah but um but but yeah i would definitely say inspiration you know i've had some really really good coach um my uh, au coach um, coach Rod Griffin and Coach Dana Murray, they actually coach at St. George's now in Delaware, a really good program. And those two men are everything a, a coach should be, you know, looking back on the stuff that they did for me and now how I, you know, give kids, you know, snacks that they come come to the gym or orders. And like they, they used to always make sure everyone was, was fed and taken care of. And then also, you know, the, the little things too, but I've had some other coaches that generally ask you, how was your school day? Like every kid that we train, the first thing I ask them every single day, where did you learn school today? Every single person, I always ask them the same thing to the point where now they say, oh, I actually had something in mind this morning that I was going to tell you, you know? So yeah, yeah. So I tell the kids like, you're in school for eight hours. You should be able to tell me one thing that you learned from the beginning to the end of the day. You know, so I've been really fortunate in that aspect with the coaches I've had along the way. Yeah, I mean, taking those questions from just the generic, like, how are you to something more specific really helps kids realize that, like, you are engaged and you want to know more about them as a whole person rather than just, like, what they're bringing to the table right now. Our last guest, Antoine Maybank, um, he's a 1996 gold medal Olympian, and he talked about how the athletes that he works with now, he never lets them respond with fine. Like, when he's asking, mm -hmm. how are you? Like, fine is just not an okay thing. It's like a, a minimum of three-sentence explanation. And, and I appreciate that, you know, because we're so accustomed to just being like, good, all is great. Mm -hmm. um, can you both tell me more now about the name 3ND Sports Performance? What is, how did you come up with that name? What does it mean? <laughs> Actually, Rachel came up with the name. Oh, we threw out a lot of names. Like, this is like <laughs> a two-month process of brainstorming. Like, we can't think of anything. Like, are we just going to use our actual names? Like, try to be creative. Um, and then one day, we're just, like, sitting on the couch. And I'm like, let's, like, figure out a play on words that kind of relates to basketball. Because we obviously come from basketball background. We do a lot of basketball-specific training. Um, so I'm like, all right, let's, like, make it, like, a little fun. So my specialty as a player was three-point shooting. So that's where the three comes from. And then this guy over here was the defensive specialist. So that's where like the D comes from. And then there's kind of like a staying in basketball, a three and D player, which is like a role, especially for a lot of NBA players, um, WNBA players that you're just like really solid. Like they can count on you to make threes and play defense and you're going to get your paycheck from doing that. So it was kind of like those two sides to the story. Like it combines both of our strengths um, and also kind of speaks to what we focus on specifically with training, with basketball, but with also like, you're going to carve out your role. We're going to help you and support you to do that. Um, and you don't always have to be the most amazing athlete in the world, the most talented, like gifted. You can work hard at something and you can carve out that role for yourself and you can still be really successful doing it. Yeah. That's really no, I think I think she answered it perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
That's awesome. I really like that concept. Now, both of you speaking about like your experiences within basketball and even the name being so rooted in basketball, I think someone would hear that and think that you would want to run a basketball camp. So why the emphasis on nutrition and strength? Why, why do you feel those things are so important? Um, I think they go hand in hand, you know, there's an old saying, you can't outwork a bad diet, you know, and it's very important that kids understand that, yes, working out in the weight room is important, but having that, you know, nutritional uh, standard is good as well. And it doesn't even have to be, I eat salads and I have to, you know, drink diet water, like, that's not what we're doing, going for, you know, <laughs> where we want people to understand that nutrition is not a one size fits all, just like playing basketball. There's no one way to shoot the ball, you know, it's much more individualized based. It's much more like sports results oriented. Like if you need to, you know, drink this particular brand of, 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 you know, um, liquid, and obviously I'm not a nutrition person. So, you know, <laughs> but if you need to eat a certain thing or do a certain thing, that's for you. It doesn't have to be, Oh, well, this is for everyone. Like, and Rachel shouldn't go more detail, but our programs in regards to nutrition is very, very customized. Yeah, I would say it's more about, so some of the more like traditional nutrition is more geared towards like, here's a meal plan, like follow this exactly. Yeah. Um, that's not my approach. I like to do the more educational aspects. So you mentioned like, hey, I used to after practice drink like a chocolate milk and a banana, but I didn't know why. I like to empower my athletes so they're able to take these principles and use them on their own like on their own when they're out there, when they're traveling to tournaments on the weekends and they kind of know like, hey, these are foods that I enjoy. Like, I'm not going to tell you to eat something you hate. I have an athlete that hates carrots and I'm like, all right, you're never going to, you don't have to eat carrots. That's all good. We're going <laughs> to find something else that you like. So um, it's like narrowing down, like, hey, I got my list of like my go-to options. So when I'm out there in the world, I can go back and pull from there. And I know like, I'm still enjoying foods that I love but I'm also making a space for foods that are going to be fueling and they're going to help support my goals, that type of thing um, to make sure that I'm also like, you know, eating enough, which is another big thing I see with athletes is that just across the board, they're not eating enough in general. So I would say just overall, what pushed us more towards this side of the basketball world was we feel like there's a lot of amazing skill trainers out there. There's a lot of amazing coaches, a lot of amazing leaders. And this particular niche fits our strengths really well and our knowledge and our educational background really well. Um, so we're kind of showing up in that space. Right. And then also nowadays, it's not about, you know, how, how much you train. It's, I'm sorry, it's not about having, it's not about training, it's about who's training you. You know, I have friends who are really good players, but they had a trainer growing up. So instantly they were just so much better than everyone else because they have a trainer. But nowadays it's, oh, well, well, who's your trainer? Well, I have a trainer. My trainer played overseas. Well, my trainer played in the NBA. And it's like, well, who has the best trainer? You know, those days of just simply having a trainer, whether that's skill work or a strength coach is over. You have to have uh, a trainer who actually played and who actually had experience so I think that's what really separates us is because we both played the sport. We both coach, we both were coached by high level uh, teams and coaches. We both traveled overseas, you know, and I understand what it's like to be a person who gets hit by a pick and then has to get on the ground, get up off the ground and then go run through, you know, sprints, you know, 20, 22s, and then I have to go work out. So for me, it's not about this compounding and killing them because they already went through a whole, you know, two hour practice getting yelled at and what have you. And all right, guys, now we're going to, you know, bench and squat and we're going to go, you know, three times your body weight. And the program says we're going to do five reps, you know, holding and the kids like, ah, you know what, I can look in their eyes and I'm like, yeah, that's not what we're going to do today. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't do anything. It just makes it worse for the athlete, you know, and especially in the team training. I'll ask the, the captains or some of the seniors and just say, hey, how are you guys feeling today? Get a, get a feel. Yeah. yeah, we had a double overtime game. And then we had a practice and this and the other. Okay, so instead of doing their full program, we're going to do the warm-up, 
couple activation stuff, and then we'll just do recovery for the last 20 minutes or so. You know, I feel like at least our coaching and our training philosophy is all about getting results. You know, we're big on, we always say we train movements and not muscles. So if you feel like you're sore, then we're going to train the movements needed to keep you healthy and strong as opposed to just saying, okay, well, we have to do this because it's written down and that's what everyone wants to do. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, the fact that you are so individual focused is really great because one size fits all is just like very rarely successful. So that's huge. Like hearing that you're doing at Strive, we call them fuel tank checks. So kind of like, where's your fuel tank? Because we have to know like, what can you bring to the table? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what is your a hundred percent today? And it's not fair to expect that kids are going to bring their entire a hundred percent every time. I know for me growing up as an athlete, like it was 110% every day, no matter what, you know? And like, that just causes burnout. It causes people to hate the sport. It causes people to hate the process and, and you don't want that to happen. So it's really impactful that you're, you're both seeing them and understanding that they're bringing different things to the table. So instead of beating a dead horse, let's focus on the results, focus on what we want right. nutritionally, exercise wise, et cetera. Okay, well, what sport did you play in uh, college? I played soccer. Oh, nice, nice. What's the school? Uh, Franklin and Marshall College. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> fun, fun fact. I, I always, uh... in Europe. Like, everyone wears Franklin and Marshall t-shirts. It's, they have stores <laughs> in Europe that sell Franklin and Marshall t-shirts. And I'm looking like, well, why is this a thing? But it's, it's a big deal in Europe. Everyone loves Franklin and Marshall. <laughs> yeah, so that's a clothing brand. So Oh, that, that makes more sense. That makes <laughs> way more sense. <laughs> What are the so chances that like the clothing brand out. is the name of a school? What are the chances? What, like, I know it was like, it was like and everything. Um, when I I remember in high school we had this Facebook page where you announced what college you were going to, and then the president of our class would post that school's logo to a board. And so I told them that I was going to Franklin and Marshall, and I grew up outside of Boston, so no one was familiar with it. And the clothing brand logo was placed on the page, and I had to. <laughs> email the girl and be like that's actually a different thing and so that's how I found out about it I okay said, so yeah yeah so you're you're definitely not the first person that has um associated the two I studied abroad in Italy as well and I saw that all the time where I'd like double take because someone had a Franklin right. Marshall shirt on and I'm like oh my god you know what are the chances I'm walking Change around the color and everything <laughs> it's not like you know like red or it's like the same thing yep. Yeah, yeah, they have a really good, so a really good program too. Really good program. Yeah, go dips. <laughs> <laughs> go dips. <laughs> we didn't get blessed with the most um, intimidating of mascots, but you know, I do love what, what that. It is a dip. It's a diplomat. So like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not really like it's not intimidating, yeah. but you know, we make it work. <laughs> make you, makes you feel any better, a gaucho with the gophers. So uh, we're, we're, oh, yeah. we're not killing it either over there at the mascot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you try to make it work. That's awesome. Um, so you have had, uh, talking of all of that, you've had such an incredible wealth of experiences with so many different athletes in so many different spaces. What are some trends that you notice with athletes nowadays that you kind of work against? So at Strive, we work against a lot of leadership myths, like you're born a leader, or you're not, or there's one type of leadership. What are some of the trends that you see with athletes today? Definitely everything is too sport specialized. Yeah. You know, I, I see that athletes, everyone is, you know, using cones and chairs and well, chairs and cones don't move and, and they don't push back. So that's the problem from my, my industry, strength and conditioning, because you're only training in certain motions and certain planes of, of motions and you're not working in all different angles. And like I tell my athletes, I tell all the parents, no one ever gets injured running or jumping. You get injured cutting and landing. So if you're not working on cutting and landing and moving in different uh, spaces and different movements, then that's where the injuries happen. And then the kids, oh, well, you know, I had one bad cut. I'm like, no, no, no. You had 178 bad cuts. The 179, <laughs> that's the one that got you, you know, yeah. got you out of there and got you injured. 
So, you know, athletes just do way, way too much sports specialization in the sense of just doing cone running and stuff like that. And one of my favorite drills, even with my older guys, helping agility and quickness, playing tag. The, 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 the kids love it. We play tag and different type of, of, of like mirror games, kind of movement games. It's amazing how you have these college kids you know, who's really big social presence and they're having the most fun literally playing tag in a small space and working on movement. And I was telling the athlete, that's what we did growing up. That's how you became quick. You ran and move. You don't just run in a straight line and cut in five feet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, the amount of times that I've seen non-contact ACL tears with girls in, in soccer is just like, and it, it's career ending for most yeah. of them. And, and it 100% is that aspect of like, we trained running in one direction the whole time. That's it. So now that cut is, is going to be challenging 100%. Yeah. Rachel, what about you? Yeah, I would say for me, it still just is kind of the overtraining, um, especially from like practice perspective and the volume and how it just adds up um, for athletes in particular. And especially athletes on their own too, thinking like, okay, I'm going to go to practice and I'm going to go do my skill workout and I'm going to go get shots up. Um, and just one thing compounding on top of the other. Um, so I feel like even an example yesterday, we had some teams in our gym and they they're playing pickup and they played pickup for like two hours and then pickup ended and they're like, all right, let's get the clock going. We're going to have you run like 10 suicides. And I'm just like, oof. So like from a perspective of like, sometimes it's almost like a badge of honor. Like I did more, you know, I really killed my day. Like I got to beat that person out there that's training 24 seven. I got to train 25 hours out of the day. Um, and just like understanding that more is not always better. So things that you do to take care of your body, like we do a lot of recovery work. We have like compression boots. We have, um, we do cupping with the athletes. Um, we weave in injury prevention exercises in every single like set of exercises we do. Um, we do red light therapy, but just like things like that, that also count for an athlete to say like, hey, I did this, 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 and this today to get better. The, all the recovery things you do count too, but in a different way, that's going to help like balance things out for you. So athletes, and we just push this with our athletes a lot, like them understanding, like, just because you worked out and you trained for like three hours in the gym, doesn't mean that you were going game speed the entire time, or like it was an effective workout just because you checked off that three hour box you know, like, what did you do then to balance out those three hours that you just crushed yourself? So that's something that we constantly ask them, something that we constantly kind of like nail into their heads um, and just to get them to understand that it still counts if you did a 10 minute session of foam rolling in the morning, like that still made you a better athlete and just kind of switching that mindset a little bit from um, them putting that high volume of training on their body. Yeah. And just to added on the um, injury prevention part. So I've been very fortunate in my career to, you know, train athletes from soccer girls and, and women and, you know, all kind of other sports for over 13, going on 14 years and to have zero ACL injuries from any of my athletes, MCL, Achilles, you know, and a lot of that comes from, as Rachel just said, the injury prevention. And the biggest part of that is, not being reactive, but, but being proactive. So we do a lot of barefoot training, you know, the first 20 minutes of all the workouts, the shoes are off. We're at the point now where the kids and the, and the adults will ask if they can keep their shoes off because it just feels so good, you know, and wow. we just really focus on the strengthening, the structure integrity of that ankle. And I always say the feet are the foundation. So the stronger your feet are, particularly a lot of sports like soccer, wearing cleats, your feet just get pounding, you know? So just taking them out of that compressed, you know, constrictive modality, those shoes or that cleats, you know, the shin brace. Like there's a lot of reasons why <laughs> soccer players are one of the leaders in ACL because, you know, from your ankle to your tibialis, your soleus, you're just so compressed. So the only freedom of moment you motion of have, you do have is your knee. Because from, from the ankle up, it's all tight and compressed. So yeah. the knee is put through so much more, you know, pain and asked to do so much more. So just having those athletes 
out of their shoes and and just moving around freely it, it just changes everything yeah and i mean you have like the shin guard sleeves and then i mean myself included taking electrical tape and wrapping it around that afterwards Oof. so that way it's really staying on there i was a keeper so i like didn't want my stuff to move at all but i'm hitting the ground and everything so so it's challenging and and yeah i, I never thought about how constricting and, and injury prone yeah. that is. That, that just makes that just makes my, my patella jump. Just hearing, <laughs> just hearing how much you have to to you know compress. But I get it, you know, at the end of the day, we're athletes and as much as we want to be better, we're still athletes, have the athlete mentality, I'm just gonna push through. And it's it's something that's tough because at the certain levels, you're feeding your family. So you don't really have time to be injured. You have to kind of push through. And you're just constantly building a foundation on quicksand, you know, and eventually it catches up on you, catches up on everyone. Yeah, that's a really good phrase. I like that. I think like it's it's redefining grit as well, right? Because yeah. like I think all of us grew up in the generation of like, you know, we applaud the people that get up after getting hit in the head. We applaud that. And and that that motto is changing now. It, it's gonna take time, but like understanding how severe concussion injuries are and and what it means to protect that and what it means to ensure that yes, we're doing something now and we want to win. And in order to do that, we need to be healthy. And so we need to ensure that there's a focus on maintaining health rather than just working really, really hard. Um, those two things can coexist. You were talking earlier about that sports specialization and how that's happening earlier and earlier. Um, do you see that people are understanding the importance of injury prevention at an early age as well? Or when do you think that that should start? Um, I think people are, are catching on, you know, I think the thing is people think that you have to have all the tools and, and the gadgets to create injury prevention. I tell the parents is really simple and it starts at home to take the shoes off. Kids should never, ever be wearing shoes in the house ever. I tell the kids, you shouldn't even be wearing basketball shoes unless you're playing basketball. You know, because they're tight and they're constrictive on purpose because you want the ankle to not be very mobile. Well, to a degree, you want it to be mobile, but you still want it to be a little tighter while you're playing. Because then if you do have, you know, either inversion of the ankle and turns and twists and you get a sprain, then you can keep the ankle tight and you say, OK, it won't go the full range. And, you know, you keep it strong, which makes sense. But it's like anything too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. You know, everyone likes ice cream, but that can't be your meal every single day and every single meal having ice cream, you know? There's a reason why you have dessert every once in a while. So too much of the shoes wearing is a huge, huge problem with my athletes. So that's the first thing I tell the parents, take the shoes off. Um, also, once the kids finish playing basketball, well, just, well, not basketball, but all sports, I would have them just do this little foot uh, movement and it's simple it's just called gas pedals you literally are like you're driving the car and having this flex the ankle back and forth just to create some blood flow and, and movement in the ankle you know those are two big things and um in regards to trying to be ahead of the game you know just listen to the body a lot of athletes and rachel can talk about this don't drink nearly enough fluids and water they they actually show up dehydrated to practice yeah. So you're literally going to practice dehydrated and now you're going to run around and don't drink while you're playing. So it just, it just compounds on top of a problem that you already started with. Yeah. Those are really like actionable items. I like that. What else do you have to add, Rachel? Yeah, I would just say speaking to kind of like the age of when you get started, I think definitely like the younger, the better. So um, obviously, you know, playing multiple sports helps because you're working working in different planes of motion. You're not getting those repetitive movements on a specific joint. Um, but if you are, like maybe there's a kid out there that's been training basketball only since they're like 10 years old, then you have to focus even more on like, how am I taking care of my shoulder? Because I'm doing a repetitive, maybe I'm right-handed, my right shoulder, every time it's going up, I'm flicking that wrist every single time. If you think about how many reps somebody puts in to become a good shooter, um, it definitely adds up. So like 
building those habits in early. So then you're taking those preventative measures. So when they are in high school, you know, the joints are still relatively healthy. So like little tips, like Lavelle mentioned, but just building in that routine and having, you know, seeing somebody do it. So that's helpful too. A lot of our kids, we have our middle school kids training with our high school, with our college. We have the girls and boys all together. Um, and they see like, Hey, you know, this big college athlete that I look up to is doing these, these exercises. So like, they must be cool. If he's doing them, I should be able to do them too. So like that helps a lot for the buy-in as well for like our little middle schoolers to say like, Oh, I really look up to him. Like I'm going to start that habit too and start doing it. So, um, that's something that we see that works really well. (laughs) Yeah. Also for, you know, any parents or coaches listening, another thing you can do is do more of the side or the or the, the body part that's not getting as much work. So for example, a line jump is a very simple exercise that it helps, once again, like I said, strengthen the ankles. Just have them do a line jump, but as opposed to doing both sides, have the the right-handed players do more so the right side. Because more times than not, I'm right-handed, I'm jumping off my left leg. And like I tell my guys, like if I did something a hundred times and something six times. Well, the hundred times is going to be stronger, but also going to be overutilized. And that's just what happens back to what we said before. You jump a hundred times on the left side, a hundred and one, and now I'm injured. So I just have my athletes, you know, whatever they do to the their prom, their dominant side, do more to the right side. So for example, a line jump. If I have them do line jumps, okay, only the right leg now, you know, because the left leg already gets enough jumps. So yeah. we have to build the, the right leg, you know, and and when you can do stuff. Try to do as much stuff barefoot as possible. Now, obviously, the age is dependent and space dependent because, you know, you only can work with what you work with. But if if you can do stuff like a simple, you know, light jog barefoot, that's just something easy you can do to help with injury prevention. You know, ideally on a soft surface, you know, maybe grass. Um, basketball, of course, not too bad, but I wouldn't do a whole lot of volume. Um, I would stick away from from like uh, from sand because it really isn't good actually for running mechanics and actually makes your running mechanics worse doing sand workouts. You know, that should just strictly be a, a fun change of pace type of thing. That shouldn't be a main, you know, staple for your training if you're doing anything in sand. Yeah, running in sand and fun have never been two words that I associate. <laughs> <laughs> if that is your type of fun, do it. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> I played my fair share of like pickup soccer on the beach, and it is not fun. Yeah. Um, living in kind of the pandemic quarantine world that we're still a part of, I know myself personally, I'm spending a lot more time sitting down, staring at my computer like I am now. And and our students are doing the same thing, depending on what their school setting is looking like. Do you have any advice to how to counteract some of the negative effects that we see from that? Uh, yeah, I... I think the, the easiest thing to do is just try to get outside when you can. You know, that's the, the one of the quickest and easiest things, you know. Studies show that the vitamin D is a huge correlation with, you know, helping with immune system and it's keeping you all overall healthy. So outside when you can do work. Also, depending on your meeting, going for walks. I know walks were huge over the uh, pandemic. So that's something that's also you can do. And then also you have to schedule that in your day. So if you know you have a, a phone call from, you know, 10 o'clock to, you know, 1030, then you say, okay, I'm going to do my phone call while I'm walking. That's a very simple thing. Um, having a phone roller in the house is huge. But what you do is you put the phone roller in between the doorway. So you have to physically see the phone roller and you have to move the phone roller. Put the phone roller in between the doorway. Every single time you go past that doorway, you phone roll some part of your body, shoulders, hips, back, what have you. It just reinforces, like, I have to get past the phone roller to, to, to go outside, whatever I have to do. You know, there are a couple other uh, movements that we give to our adult clients for our uh, adult athlete uh, boot camp class that we have to try to show them, you know, what they can do in their house, you know. But the most important thing is just standing up and down and just not 
being uh, stagnant if you if you can, you know. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I didn't realize that you were all working with adults as well. What what different packages do you offer? Like, can can people that are old post athlete people come to you as well? <laughs> you know, what's funny, Caroline. It's funny you say that because we actually have a former adult athlete boot camp. That's that's yeah. our our niche. Yeah. So our tagline is "Once an athlete, always an athlete." So it's getting all those athletes. If you're feeling like I'm missing my team setting, I'm missing that like coaching voice, you know, putting yep. me through my workout. I'm sick of doing workouts in the gym on my own. I yeah. need that little push. I want that competitive atmosphere. Then that's exactly the right fit. Yeah. You. Yeah. We have a lot of former college you know, former like high level players. And and we have some parents as well who just say, you know, I'm tired of my kid beating me playing sports. <laughs> you know, that really is like, I'm, I'm tired of it. Or they're say, you know, my kid is younger and I want to show them how to do stuff because who wants to be that guy on the sideline just saying, oh, do X, Y. And like, no, I'm gonna get out here and show you that. So our adult yeah. classes, um, we have one in the morning from uh, 6.30 to 7.30 and that's uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And it's really, like Rachel said, a fun place to, to be a former athlete. We don't just do the typical, you know, weightlifting or the typical cardio. It's a little bit of both. So we do, we focus heavily on strength, whether it's body weight, and we mix some barbell stuff as well. We do have a running cardio aspect, but we throw in some mobility work. So we do a lot of mobility movements and a lot of stuff that we call office injuries. So fixing your shoulders, fixing your back, and we tie it into the workout. So instead of taking a rest, you're doing some movement stuff and it really decreases that pain. And more importantly, you know, it helps with the ultimate goal, whether that might be fat loss, it might be, you know, training to be uh, a a former athlete with your kid, or we have some people like, oh, I have a, a, a men's league, a women's league coming up and I was gonna get ready for it. Okay, cool. Well, come train mm-hmm. for a couple months, you know, and, and jump back out there. That's awesome. I didn't realize how many things you offered. Yeah, I uh, I got into strength training when, after graduating, just cause it was something that I had been interested in, but it wasn't really available or kind of Rachel, like you commented, also definitely not a thing that a lot of women were involved in now, like it's, it's everywhere, but I definitely need someone to yell at me if I'm going to be running. So <laughs> maybe, come, come, maybe. Um, come try the class out. We, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, um, we're looking at opening a uh, evening class too, because we're, we're getting a lot of uh, buzz. And a lot of people are, are talking to us about it. So we're, we're, we're thinking of opening the uh, evening class as well, because the morning class is doing really well. But uh, yeah, and also I'm, the time actually is, is 7 a.m. That's the time. So give you a little bit more time to sleep in. Are you a morning person? <laughs> I usually am. Yeah. I, I like to get my workouts in and over with the longer yeah. that I uh, can think about it throughout the day, the more likely it's not going to happen. A study that shows that your motivation decreases as the day goes on. Mm-hmm. So like at seven, 8 a.m., you're all ready for, for, you know, everything. But 7, 8 p.m., you're not ready for anything, you know? So it definitely, it definitely just depends. And I tell everyone the hardest part is getting there. Once you're there, you're rolling. The workouts are only an hour. So, you know, not a crazy amount of time and, mm-hmm. you know, you're in, you're out. And then from there, the rest of the day, you can do what you know you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely a risk. When I was teaching prior to working at Strive, I was working out after school, but then it was the sort of thing where I was sitting on the elliptical calling parents doing, doing all those things that I needed. Yeah. To do. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't going well. Um, so as we close up, like as I learn more about three and D and everything that you offer, if there is one thing that you would want to share with our audience, coaches, parents, athletes alike, um, what would that be? What do you want to share with everyone? Hmm. I got to think for a second. <laughs> mm. Closing argument. Um, I, I guess uh, two things. One, from, from the athlete, you know, don't, don't let your, your situation stop you from, from working. You know, I feel like too often as athletes and kids, you get told that you're a role player or you're this or that, and you kind of get stuck in that position. Like, end of the day is your life if you decide that you want to be 
uh, scorer, or if you do want to be a role player or whatever the case is, then, then it's your life and, and you have the control to change that position if you want to, you know, and don't let an injury stop you either because it sucks getting injured. But yeah. once you get back into the swing of things and get over the mental hurdle, then you're pretty good, you know. And if from a from an athlete, I mean, from an adult standpoint, you know, it's it's never too late. I have friends who are buddies who are <laughs> late twenties, early thirties. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not working out anymore. I'm like, what? You're gonna be around for sixty more years? Like, <laughs> you know, I have I have friends who say, yeah, you know, once once my kids get older, I'll get back into it. I'm like, it gets harder, you yeah. know. So I tell all the adults, like, don't get get stuck in that mentality of, oh, I'm gonna start you know on, on monday i'm like no start today you know and even if it's not training going for walks get moving don't just get comfortable being uncomfortable because why would you want to spend the next 60 years in an uncomfortable position yeah, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely rachel what about All you? right and then i would say for me so um i just really love strive's motto in general about um you know anyone can be a leader just speaking from my personal experience, I'm a very introverted person, but, you know, kind of going up through my athletic career, strength training actually helped me a lot to boost my confidence. Yeah. Like I started in eighth grade and the more I did it, like the more I'm like, all right, I'm going to show up more in the world, take up a little bit more space, <laughs> speak up a little bit more, share my voice, that type of thing. Um, so I would just say, you know, for any athletes that feel like, you know, maybe you're overthinking when you're playing or you need a little confidence boost, the strength training aspect and just you have a lot of control over that and you can show up and you can put the work in and there's no like I mess up a play or my coach is yelling at me. It's a very like supportive environment and it's a great place uh, for kids to just grow and find their voice and find themselves and build up that confidence. So um, that would be the one thing that I would pass on and say. Yeah, we're supportive unless you're not, <laughs> unless you're not doing it right. <laughs> there goes the enforcer again. Enforcing. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I super appreciate you all. We'll have your social media tags um, in the description of this episode. And it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you all. Oh, you too. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today. How You Lead Matters podcast comes out on a monthly basis. And if you are looking for more content, follow us on all socials at How You Lead Matters or email us today to schedule your own Strive Workshop. Talk to you next month.